My students ask, why is there so much violence and death in the Bible? I mean, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he step in and stop the violence between people? And if God is all-loving, why does he himself kill or command others to kill for him, both people and animals? That is a great question. You could summarize the Old Testament with the word bloody. If the Old Testament were made into a movie, my middle school students couldn't attend it, at least not unless they were accompanied by a parent. The blood flows from the earliest chapters. We saw in episode 22, murder committed between the first pair of brothers, Cain and Abel. We meet Lamech, a man who murders a younger man and then brags with swagger over it. By the time we get to Genesis 6, God describes mankind in the following way. Every thought of his heart was only evil all the time. That, folks, is hell on earth. Before the planet was even dry, after God's start over flood, the blood began to stain it once again. Levi and Simeon murder a whole village of males. Pharaoh throws babies into the Nile. The Assyrians run plows over the people of the northern ten tribes, Israel. We also find God shedding blood in the Old Testament. In Genesis 19, God nukes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He causes the death of the firstborn in Egypt then sweeps some of Pharaoh's elite army away in the Red Sea. He brings plagues on his children while they wander in the wilderness. And then there's the animals, millions of them, commanded by God to be sacrificed over a millennium and a half. Heaven knows how many goats, sheep, bulls, and birds had their throats slit and their blood drained. According to the Old Testament, a band-aid to temporarily fix a problem between man and God. And this, as we learned in episode 152, after God had commanded man to be caretakers of animals and had railed against cruelty. It gets stranger still, folks. Throughout the Old Testament and the New, it's taught and implied that God is the God of the living, that death has no part in his character. In the Old Testament, God created a Nazarite vow for people, especially dedicated to his service. One of the rules of the Nazarite vow? you could never touch the dead. That was God communicating he's the God of the living. No one associated in service with him is to associate with death. In episode 107, we find Jesus standing in front of a tomb. It's the tomb of his friend, Lazarus. Scripture claims that Jesus was God's son. There in front of the tomb, after saying he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, something he'd done to people at least twice before in the Gospels, Jesus bursts into heaving sobs. He's a few minutes away from raising his friend from the dead. What's he sobbing for? Many would say he's sobbing for what death has done to his people. We also find at the back of the New Testament, the book of Revelation says that death will have no part in God's eternity future. It will be erased because he's the God of the living. So what's up with all the death and bloodshed? If God is all-powerful, why didn't he stop the violence between men? And if he's all-gracious and loving, why would he shed blood or command the shedding of blood by his people? To get the answer to that, we need to go back to the first death. In episodes 18 through 20, we get the story from Genesis chapter 3. I suggested that God shed the first blood. He killed one or more animals to provide the pelt to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. Backing the tape up further, Adam and Eve were trying to cover up. 
They felt guilt and shame. Back the tape up further. They had disobeyed God. God had placed a test in the garden, a test of their obedience. God had said to them, enjoy everything, but stay away from this one tree, for on the day you eat it, you will surely die. Back the tape up further still. Satan had come to them and suggested God was not good. He was keeping something from them. So they ate, and in doing so, they threw a switch on the tracks of a perfect creation. They took a side rail, a sin rail, a death rail. It moved them away from their relationship with God and their relationship with each other. Selfishness and creepiness crept in. As you read through the Old Testament and watch the spilling of blood, there are two primary reasons behind it. First, now sinful, man made in the image of God to plan and work together, are capable of extraordinary selfishness and cruelty. The Bible is not condoning the violence in the Old Testament. It's simply reporting what happens on that rail of sin and death. A rail, the New Testament says, that's hardwired into all us sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Thus, the first half of my Old Testament theme, guys and gals, are gross. The second reason for death in the Old Testament is God stepping in. God does indeed directly cause or command the shedding of blood of individuals, cities, or even groups. I explain this to my students this way. I draw a dot on the whiteboard, then an arrow coming out of the right side of the dot, which I run all the way across the front of the class. I explain to them from the perspective of scripture, the dot represents our physical life on this planet. The line coming out of it to the right is our eternal destiny, that part of us made in the image of God that goes on forever. I explain to them what happens on our dot our physical lives on this planet impact the line, our eternal destiny. And not only that, it impacts the dot and the lines of those around us. I suggest to them from Scripture's perspective, God reducing the size of our dot in order to improve the trajectory of our line or the dots of others or their eternal trajectories is a wise and merciful act of God. Maybe this word picture will help. Imagine you are God. You see a young man get up in the morning, grab his backpack, and head toward a school bus at the corner full of children. You realize in that backpack are explosives. As this man walks toward the bus, intending to get on and blow it up, you decide to give him a heart attack in the street. You reduced his dot. Is that an unkind act, or is it an act of mercy and grace? Has that not prevented him from the guilt of blowing up all those little people on the bus, of changing the size of their dots, and perhaps, for some, their eternal trajectory? And what about the dots and the eternal trajectory of some of the parents of those children on that bus? Do you think God has changed that as well? To those listening who believe all we have is what we have on this dot, this short time on this planet, it's understandable why the bloodshed in the Old Testament, either committed by God or commanded by God, is upsetting. But if you're listening and believe we're eternal creatures, I think the more you think about it, the more likely you are to conclude, as I have, God reducing our dots in order to enhance the trajectory of our eternities or the eternities of others is both a loving and gracious action. And finally, there's the animals in Scripture. 
those that God commands to be offered as sacrifices, innocent animals by the millions. What's going on here? God is substituting an innocent creature that he values and loves for a guilty creature he values and loves more. And in doing so, over the centuries, God was setting us up. He was communicating the depths of the problem, us running our lives on a sin rail in a broken relationship with God and with each other. He's setting us up for the future when God, who committed the first bloodshed, commits the most shocking bloodshed in all of Scripture. God, the Father, sacrifices Jesus, his Son. Isaiah 53 tells us it was God's pleasure to crush his Son for our iniquities. There it is, the blood of an innocent one being shed for guilty ones whom God deeply loves and values. The New Testament writer says, Jesus died once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us back to God. Or in John the baptizer's words, when he saw his cousin Jesus, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.